0: You know, I love, I love that song. I love the words. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, there's no turning back. You see, when God's Word tells us this, when we accept Jesus into our heart, like truly accepting, man, there's no, there's no turning back. Like, there aren't any Christians that say, I think I'm a Christian. I'm pretty sure. Because when Jesus invades your life, there's no doubt what just happened. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tyler. If uh, if any of you weren't here, oh thanks. If any of you weren't here when I was doing that connect time, which actually trips me out every time I have to do that. It's not my thing. I'd rather, I'd rather sing it to y'all. But, you know just what it is. But if you weren't here, my name's Chris Kellum, and I'm the worship leader here, and it's, it really is awesome that you're here today. And one of the things I want you to know, uh, I get so excited to uh, just to have the opportunity to de- to deliver God's Word. And the first thing I want you all to know is that, man, some stuff's going on here. And I, I, I mentioned a little bit of it earlier. Some stuff's going on here at this church that is That is a reason for us to be excited. It's a reason for us to celebrate because God is changing lives here. God's changing lives. And I'm I'm so blessed to be able to watch it. I'm so blessed to to be able to see someone accept Christ into their heart. I'm so blessed to see somebody that man's like, man, I don't know about this church thing, but like they slowly start getting there. Jesus, as I hear all the time, they slowly start allowing him into their lives. And you know, man, things, crazy things happen when, when, when that happens. Like their lives just, it's radical. And I love watching it. Well, look, our scripture today is Exodus 21 through 3. Now we're in the middle of a 10-week sermon series. And it's on the Ten Commandments. This is week three. What I got was, should have no other gods before me. Let me read it real quick. Exodus 21 through 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. It should be up on the screen. And the Lord, and God spoke all these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. You know, Polly and I have... My wife Polly. She didn't have three kids. Riley, Reed... And Anna, and man, you know it's 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 a trip, and, and y'all know as a parent. I mean, you love these kids so much. In fact, there, there's there's really not words to describe the love that you have for them, is there? I mean, there's not. And you know, I think a lot. You know, what what would happen if Polly and I had not instructed them on how to live? What what would have happened if we had not? if we had not done that, if we had never taught them the difference between right and wrong. Man, I can't even imagine. My house would probably be a, just a rubble. My kids would have destroyed it. And I really can't imagine. But you know, when, when, when they were babies, Riley, my oldest, and Anna, my youngest, they were so good at taking instructions. You know, you could be like, Riley, baby, I, I, I need you to do this. Or Anna... I need you to do this. And they were so... They always wanted to please and they were so good at it. You know, they may not have agreed with it, but, but they did it. Well, then came Reed. Alright? Well, see, he didn't seek life quite that way. He, didn't, he wasn't so sure that mom and dad always had the answers. But we did everything we could to instruct him on the right and wrong things to do. To give him guidelines... For life, when, uh, when he was about two and a half, Polly and I moved over to the house that we're, we're in now. And, um, you know, the, the, where we were before, the street was a little bit busier than it is. And so when he was little, you know, all the kids were like, hey, man, don't, don't run out into the street. And so he knew, you know, all of them knew, right? There was no problem with Riley. But with Reed, he, like, would always want to run out there. And, and the concrete was that gray color. Well, the street was the black. So I was always going, okay, hey, Reed, look. Let's don't get the black. Let's don't go out in the street. And he, you know, it was fine. He was little. So then we moved to our new house, right? And my neighbor, Paul, at the time, I was sitting out there talking to him. Probably the first week that I was there. And Reed comes outside and he starts running towards the street. And I'm like, yo, 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 Reed, hold up. And he's I could see him just, and so I said, Reed, don't, don't get in the street. And so he crawls down, and gets down on all fours, and he jimmies up to the street, just to the edge of it. And he looks up at me, and he looks over at Paul, and he takes his finger and he puts it on my back. <laughs> and I tripped out so hard, you know, inside, I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen some little dude do. But I wasn't going, you know, I wasn't going like, tell him that. So I acted like I was mad, you know, but, but the truth is, his, you know, he took instruction a little bit different than, than the others. And, you know, I uh, you know, but, but Polly and I when, when we were raising them, giving them instructions on, on what to do instructions on, on how to live, it, it wasn't because we were mad at them. It wasn't because I was like trying to be just, just you know, this puppet master, like, you do this you do this. No. It was out of love, wasn't well, Where all you parents know was out of love. It was because we loved them. We had that unbelievable love inside of us that we just, we were protecting them. We were, we were showing them how to live. And, see, the Israelites, the Ten Commandments, that's what that is. The Ten Commandments, is this, it wasn't a series of rules. Now, listen, I want you to hear this. This wasn't a series of rules that was supposed to keep you from having fun. I grew up that way. I grew up thinking that there was this God, and he was like, hey man, you better not do that or pow, I'm going to zap you with some lightning. Or, you better not do that. I mean, I grew up thinking that that was the God. But the truth is, that's not what the Ten Commandments was all about. The Israelites had been slaves for 400 years. That's longer than we've been a country. The Israelites have been slaves for 400 years. It's all they knew. It literally is all they knew. God was giving them laws. He was giving them guidelines out of love, out of grace. Not because He was a dictator, but because He loved them. They were His children. And so we're looking at today having no other gods before Him. And, you know, I, uh, in researching all this, I, I, got to, you know, I got to really check out and learn a lot about the other gods, you know, back then it was common practice to have, to worship gods of everything. I and mean, there was god of the moon, god of the stars, god of this, god of that, god of the crops, I mean, you name it, and there was a god of it. In fact, there were a lot of times there were his and her gods. It's like, man, what if the god's a dude? I, I don't want to be, you know, asking her, little goddess, to do something when it's really, you know, a man god. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, He's like, so, we, so we're going to do one of each just to be safe. Well, there was Apollo, he was a god. There was Artemis, Turin, Fan, and then get this there was Faustus. Faustus, for you Seinfeld episode watchers, you know it kind of a lot like Festivus or whatever that was. But Faustus, see, Faustus was a god of cattle. Well, Matura was the god of, of uh, flowering corn, right? And then Lacturna, was the God of growing corn. Ops. Well, Ops was the God of the harvest. Right? So there's like, well, you know, like Turna, Matura, Seinfeld, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm praying to all of them. And see, they worship multiple gods for everything. But what God did was God said, Hey man, no. No, I'm your God. I'm your God. And I think He says that to us today. I think he says it. I know he says it to us today. All the things we worship, and what I'm talking about is anything that we put before Him. Anything. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, locturna. It can be anything. In our lives, we play baseball. My son plays baseball almost every weekend. We have to make a point not to put baseball before Jesus. Right? Other gods. So, look, they worshipped all these other gods. And that's all they wrote. God was saying, no, no. You know, the book of Exodus was written by Moses. And I think that's really cool, you know, that the book the, look, Moses wrote a book. And, like, we can read it today. That is that's pretty solid, you know. I mean, I really think that's cool. But it was, it was written to record the events of Israel's deliverance from Egypt and then their development as a country. As a nation. Many years before the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, there was there was this big famine, right? And it devastated it devastated the land. And and so in order to survive, the Israelites had to take off. They they left. They they left and went south to Canaan into Egypt. And then they were like, Well, we're gonna kick it here in Egypt for a little while. And and then Pharaoh was like, Man, all of a sudden, you know, there was a few of them, and now there's literally millions of them, and so I'm going to make the Jewish population, the Jews are now going to become our slaves. And he forced them into slavery. But you know what? God wasn't about to have His chosen people being slaves in a foreign nation. That, 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 that just wasn't what He was going to do. So He raised up Moses. He raised up Moses. And Moses came along. And Moses, And all of a sudden, He appears to Moses. And, and He was like, Moses, you're going to lead My people into the promised land. Because, see, I've got, got a special place picked out for y'all, and, and y'all, you're going to lead them, Israel, to a new home. Oh, and by the way, Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him, hey man, I you're going to have to let my people go. I mean, I know it's all free labor and all, but you're going to have to let them go. And Moses was like, what? Like, for real? Like, you... You want me to go to Pharaoh? I mean, he could just... I'd be dead. But you want me to go to Pharaoh? Like, why me, God? Why me, God? And are you sure you got the right guy? You sure you got the right guy, God? Because I don't know. And, and, and God was like, Moses, I want you. But, 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 but God, I don't, I don't know, God. But, but, Moses, I want you. He said, but God, I can't even speak right. Man, I don't even... You know, my, my lips are faltering. Hey, but, but Moses... I want you, man. I want you. And then not only do I want you to go do this, but when you go to them, you tell them, I sent you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Golly, I think about that sometimes, and I think, you know, how hard that must have been for Moses, but he was being faithful. And he did that, and so Moses does what God tells him to do, and look, honestly, it, it, was, it was tough on him. He had it rough. He had it rough for a little while, and Moses goes back to God, and he's like, why are you bringing all this trouble on your people, God? Is this really why you brought me here? Is this really why you brought me here? And then, and then I love this. Something amazing happened. Something amazing happened. God looks at, God, God looks at Moses, and He says, Hey Moses, now, now, you'll see what I'm about to do to Pharaoh. And because of me, he's going to let you go. He's going to let our people go because of me. And then God makes this series of statements that become known as the I wills. Actually, it it becomes known as the foundation for the entire nation of Israel. They actually celebrate it. It's what the Passover is all about, so if you have your Bibles today, turn to Exodus six six through seven. I know this is a lot of history what I 'm trying to throw out, but just bear with me. therefore, say to the Israelites, this is God speaking to Moses, "I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with." Mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God and then you will know that I am the Lord your God who who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. It could be so easy for us just to read over that, right? But see, what happened is, is God was saying, Moses, go tell them this. Go tell them this. Go tell them. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God made them four promises right there. Four promises. He says, one, I'll I'll free you from your oppression. I'll free you from your oppression. And then two, He says, I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. And three, He says, I'll redeem you with powerful arm and mighty, mighty acts of judgment. And then four, He says, I'll claim you as My people. And I... I will be your God. We all know the story. We know what happened. Did the promises come true? Yeah. Because at that point, you see, at that point, God unleashed a series of plagues on Pharaoh that literally decimated the entire land. And the Israelites were freed. They were freed. series of plagues... And Pharaoh's like, I'm out. Y'all go. Take off. And so he frees the Israelites. But then something else happened. He sat there for a little while and he's like, whoa. What did I do? Man, I had all this free labor. I had all these good workers and I was getting all this stuff done. And like, now I don't have it. So he realizes, all right, I, I'm, I'm going after him, And so he decides, Pharaoh says, man, I messed up. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get them. And he takes off. He catches up to them. And when he catches up to the Israelites, one, don't you know they're fired up about being free? You know, they're probably pretty excited about not being slaves, right? And then they get up, and I can just picture it, man. They're sitting there, and there's this beautiful red sea. I wonder how many of them had actually seen that as slaves. They see the Red Sea. I can picture the excitement that they had. Then they turn around on the other side, and all of a sudden there's an Egyptian army coming to get them. Coming after them. Could you imagine that? That roller coaster. And they got scared and God's word tells us they were terrified. And and so Moses looks at him and he says, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Like, stand firm and, and and you'll see God's deliverance. The Egyptians you see today, you won't ever see them again. Think about that for a minute. Man, stand firm. Like there's an ocean right here, and like there's Some pretty bad dudes right here, but hey, stand firm. And then he says something that I love, and I want each one of you to know this. Moses looks at him and he says, the Lord will fight for you. And you know what you need to do? You need to just be still. You need to chill out for a minute. You need to put all that worry aside and just let God fight for you. The Israelites were, were scared. We know that. And so they're sitting there, all right? So let's, let's try to get this. In a, they're sitting there and they're, they're, they're tripping out. They're scared. And then Moses sticks his hand out. When he sticks his hand out, he parts the Red Sea. God literally uses Moses and he parts the Red Sea. Can you imagine what that must have been like? I want you to really think about that for a minute. He parted the Red Sea. Now, that seems pretty impossible, doesn't it? But yet, it happened. It's historical fact. We know that. Listen, I want y'all to do something with me. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Just close your eyes. This may be weird, but, you know, just hang with me for a minute. And I want you to picture a wall of water that has just been parted. I want you on one side, and then I want you to look behind you, and I want you to picture an Egyptian army coming after you. I want you to hear the sound of several million people scared to death. The confusion there must have been. The the screams of the, the... The hands that were held together. I want you to picture the hands held together. I want you to hear the, help, help. Mom, dad, help. What is going on? I want you to hear the sound of the wind as the Word tells us it was rushing. The roar of the water as it was parted. I want you to hear the echoes of the hooves from the Egyptian horses that were riding in to take them back? And the chariots, the sound of their wheels as they were racing. What if that were you, your family, sitting right there and you were, you were caught up in that? Can you hear it? Can you feel a little small piece of the fear they must have felt? I want you to open your eyes. You know what I think? You know what I think? I think that in that moment of complete utter chaos, I think that in that moment of the kind of fear that we probably can't even imagine, that in the back of their heads, as they looked up and they saw a wall of water parted, in the back of their heads they heard, hey, I'll free you. I'll rescue you and 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 I'm going to redeem you with powerful arm and mighty acts of judgment. And then I'm going to claim you as my people. And you know what? I'll, I'll be your God. I'll be your God. And the Word tells us that when they took a step, they expected to step into soggy ground because it's where the sea had been. But that their steps were firm. The ground was dry. And as they started trusting what God was doing, as they looked up and they saw this miracle, they went over to the other side. And they turned around and they looked. And then something crazy happened. As the Egyptians were coming towards them, the wall of water fell on them. We hear that story, don't we? But how real is it to you? When the water fell in on them. Think about the families just like us. Those just like us. The couples. The kids. And as they're standing on that other side of that sea. And they look out and they see that. Can you picture the stillness of what just happened? As the chariots are floating. As the bodies are everywhere. But as the Israelites are sitting over here free and safe. See, I think they knew in that moment who God was. And I think they were letting Him be their God. It's crazy, isn't it? Crazy awesome. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 14. 31, I love this. It says, And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the the people feared the Lord and they put their trust in him and and in Moses, his, his servant. And so, listen, I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to tell you today that when you put your trust in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, then God's promises, all those promises he made, you can be a recipient of that promise, of all those promises. They're there for you. They're there for you. They're there for me. Do you believe it? I mean, do you really believe this? Because if you believe this, then it will radically change your life. Radically change your life. God's promises are for real. And if we will start believing this, and if we'll put other gods aside, if we'll put these things, man, that we keep putting in front of Him, if we'll just put them aside. God's promise to redeem you, God's promise. He promises us in, in Psalm 40 that, man, he's, He'll pull you out of the miry pit, the muddy pit. He'll pull you out. Just as He did the Israelites, He promises that this captivity that you're in, He's going to pull you out of it. You don't have to settle for less than God's best for you. Some of you need to hear that today. And I'm telling you, don't settle for less than God's best for you. That's what Satan wants. It's exactly what Satan wants. Satan has something planned for you. And his plan for you is to keep you from grabbing hold of God's promises. That's His plan for you. He wants to keep you in bondage. Right now, some of you may find yourself in bondage. I know that's kind of a crazy sounding word, but that bondage could be an addiction. That bondage could be a... You fill in the blank. It could be a relationship that's keeping you from experiencing God's plan for you. The bondage could be that you don't believe in Jesus. The bondage could be that you think Jesus is somebody you're just supposed to go to Sunday school and church every day and just pretend like. You know what Jesus called you to do? Jesus called you to believe in Him and to follow Him. To follow Him. What is your bondage? Your bondage could be, for being straight, could be lust. Your bondage could be that computer that you can't get away from. Your bondage could be X, Y, Z. Your bondage could be trying to live up to being something you're not. Your bondage could be trying to keep up with the Jones. Fill in the blank. You know, it could be that you find yourself slave to something and... and you know that whatever it is, whatever it is, y'all, only you knows this, that it's keeping you from experiencing what God has planned for you. And like that feeling that you may have that man, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be more to this. There's got to be more to this. Guess what? God gave you that sense of destiny. God put that in you. And God's not far from you. You need to hear this. God is... A promise of His is that He is relentlessly pursuing you. Relentlessly pursuing you. He doesn't want 10%. He doesn't want you showing up just to do your church thing and then bailing out and going to being a different person on Monday through Saturday. He wants all of you. And He's not trying to get you to have, follow a certain ton of rules. No. He wants you to love Him. He's fighting for you. And I am literally begging you to get this. Relentlessly pursuing. God has put you on this planet at this exact time. This was real hard for me to get. It took me years to understand this. But God has got you here on this planet, on earth, right now, for a reason. And it's His reason for your life. And all you got to do is go to Him to figure out what it is. How do you know that, Chris? How do you know that? I love Psalm 139.16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, God knows you better than you know yourself. You don't live your life to get to God. You go to God to live your life. You know what I mean by that? We don't wake up and play God thinking we're about to earn our way into heaven because God could not be any more clear. There is no earning your way to heaven. You're not going to, there's going to be, he tells us, there's going to be people that knock at the door. God, I've been there, I've been to Sunday school every single week my whole life. But did you know me? God, man, I helped the, I helped the poor man forever and ever. But did you know me? God's promises are for you, they're for me. And see, God says this. He says, Trust in me and you'll have safe pastures. And God says, commit yourself to me, and I'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn. And God says, to Me, come to me, and guess what? I'll give you rest. And God says, delight in me, and 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 I'll make your steps firm. And then God says, to Me, when you search for me with all your heart, guess what? You're gonna find me. He promises you this, and then he says, This: I know the plans for you. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. And guess what? No eyes seen, no ears heard, no mind can possibly comprehend what God has prepared for those who love Him. And when we put no other gods before Him, things happen. Things happen. Because God wants you to know this today. He will free you from your oppression. He will rescue you from the bondage or from whatever is holding you back. And He will redeem you. He will take the things that you've done in your past that you can't quite get over. I'm preaching to the choir. And He will allow you to get past that. You don't have to get hung up on what you did in your past because Jesus says, when you accept me, you're a new creation. You're new. And I promise you this it's a promise. And it's His promise. And then He says, I'll claim you as my own people and I'll be your God. God is fighting for you and He wants to show you more. In fact, Jesus says, I've come that you may have life, have it to the full. Have it, some other translations say, abundantly. I don't know about you, but I'm down with some abundant life. I'd like to have that. Right? and I know this, I know that since my life before I met Christ, when I was trying to keep up with the Jones and I was doing everything in my power to appear like a good Christian dude when the truth is, I was trying to disprove Him, I didn't believe Him I thought Jesus was a myth I thought it was a joke I, I took a step one day and you know what happened? I took a step not because of what somebody said to me was because they looked at me and, and I said, man, you think God is really going to send a really good dude to hell? And he didn't answer me. But it was a look in his eye, and I melted. I melted. Because I knew what was happening. I knew there wasn't going to be any earning my way into heaven no matter how nice I was to people no matter how many times I even went to church. And what Jesus wants for you is an abundant life, and I'm here today just to let you know to take the gods and put them aside and accept His promises. And He will redeem you. He will restore you. He will give you life that you literally cannot comprehend. If a God can create this, if a God can hard to see if a God can raise his son from the dead do you think your past is going to be a problem for him no no so what do we do Chris I get this all the time man like I accepted Jesus like now what If I want to know what God's will is for my life what do I do now I love, love, love Romans 12 too. It says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. And God is telling you that if you will put Him first and not the wor- not the world, if you will just make Him first, you will get into His Word, if you will will get into God's Word, you know what He says? He says He'll transform your mind. That's amazing. And then He says, once you do that, you can test and approve what my will is because I promise you this, that my will, it's going to be good for you. Who doesn't want something good for you? And then it's going to be pleasing, which means you're going to like it. And then it's going to be perfect. And you're going to begin to find out why God has you on this planet. And it starts with Him. It starts with Jesus. You know, uh, for several years I've been going to Honduras and I, we've been going down on this mission trip. And I know, you know, I probably told a lot of stories about Honduras because I'm always just, I love it and it's, it's amazing to me. But, there's this beggar, right? Every time I'd go down there, there's this beggar. And what makes him different than what we see is this dude had no legs. No legs. And his arms were real deformed, right? And you would see him, and you would see him because and he stood out because he had a stick that was about this tall and about this big around. And it had red stains above it on there. Some of y'all have seen this guy. Because he would take the stick in order to get across the street and he would take his deformed hands and pull himself across the street. You know now that that's blistered hands and the blood that's on the stick. Well, he would pull himself across the street and I was always tripped out by it because I would see the sores on his body as he attempted to get across the street. And I I would... I would hear the groaning. I would hear the sounds coming out of him as he was pulling himself. And every single time I came home, I was scarred by this guy. I literally, I kept thinking about him because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. There were all these people that just paid him no attention. My next trip, or on one of my next trips, I go back and to my amazement, I look up and I see this guy on a bicycle. It looks like something out of a circus, but it's a hand operated, handmade bicycle. And he's scooting around town. He's dressed in his regular clothes. And I couldn't believe it. In fact, I turned, I looked at my friend, I said, what what in the world? And he said, you know what, Chris? A man made a bike for him. And when he gave it to him, he said he wanted to start meeting with him and telling him something. And he told him about who Jesus was. And he told him about the promises that are in in God's Word. That the plans I have for you are to prosper you and not to harm you. He give you hope in a future, and he told him how God saw him, and something something happened. That washed up beggar that people saw was a burden to society, accepted Christ because of a one act somebody did for him. And do you know that he now runs a. Ministry in Honduras and Pina Blanca to the disabled where he goes to them on his bike and he tells them about the Lord. There's some of you here today that are running. I know it. You know it. And thing is, you know that I do. You know that I know this and when you will put aside the the little g gods that's keeping you from Jesus your right your life will be radically changed because he makes a promise to you and god's promises are real and we are not here to play church we're not here just to show up thinking that this is going to get our ticket stamped no we're here because we serve the almighty God, the maker of heavens and earth, and that same God loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. And when we actually accept that, he frees us and he redeems us and he rescues us. Amen. And we are his people. And I'm asking you today to believe that. I don't have there's no other way I can put it. Asking you to believe it. I can't imagine a world where all of us made bikes for people because I, the love that's in our heart for Jesus is so strong that we just want to tell people about it. That's what I want. Let's pray. Lord God, it is in Your goodness, in Your grace, and in Your mercy that we come before You thankful, Father, for Jesus. God, we thank You for Your promises, and we thank You for Your love for us because, God, we don't deserve it, but You have made us whole. And God, I'm praying for those right now that are are scared to take that step towards You. God, I'm asking You to remove the burdens I'm asking You to remove whatever barrier. I'm asking You to let them know, God, that their strength can be in You. Jesus, thank You for grace and love and mercy when we don't deserve it. And God, You tell us each morning that when we wake up, that Lord, you've, you've poured new mercies out on us. And so we praise You for that. Thank You, Father. In Jesus' name.